Thanks so much for having me, man. I am Dave Edwards. I am currently the head of revenue at AudioMac, which is a music streaming app and platform, uh, which is direct to fan for artists. And I also was a music producer uh, before I joined AudioMac and worked a bit and interned a bit of labels before that. So I've uh, really been in the music business in 38 now uh, since I was about 16. So most of my life I've been doing music in one form or another. Yeah. Um, that's awesome, man. Thank you for, for that intro. Uh, I have a couple, the main reason I actually wanted you on the podcast is because I saw a bunch of your tweets about, um, AI and music and Mm -hmm. I saw that you were super interested in it and I'm super interested in the space as well. I'm trying to learn as much as I can. Um, so, but I found your page to be a really good source of like, uh, interacting with the right people for, for that space. And then also having your own ideas and opinions of, of where that space is. And then aside from that, mm-hmm. obviously, you're the head of revenue at AudioMac, which is awesome. I've never had uh, anyone um, of that type of position on this podcast yet. I don't even I haven't really talked to anyone in that type of position. So I'd love to um, first talk about that and know, you know, what what it is that you do there um, and your experience there. Sure. So, um, I mean, at its most basic level, my job is ultimately to make sure that we get our artists on audio paid as much as we can. Um, so I oversee all of our different revenue channels. Uh, so to kind of break those down from a high level, uh, we have advertising, which is kind of number one for us. Uh, we are a mostly ad supported platform. Um, mm. so that is both in the U S and abroad, uh, selling, you know, deals with companies like McDonald's, uh, whether they want to make original music, they want to run ads on our platform, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we obviously have our premium business as well. So I oversee that. I, I'm responsible for helping us to grow that entire part of the company. And uh, then we also have another part of our ad business, which is called pro, uh, programmatic advertising, which is uh, similar to what you might see on other platforms like uh, you know Meta, where you know, there's kind of like a real-time auction as you're about to see an ad impression if it's not direct sold. So yeah, it's basically doing all these different things um, as well as here and there, some strategic partnerships, uh, which, you know, ultimately drive revenue. So yeah, my job at the end of the day is just to do everything I can to make sure that revenue is looking good, uh, which obviously flows back to our artists, partners, our label partners, rights holders, publishers, um, and kind of everyone downstream of that. So yeah, for me, it's kind of like a nice natural evolution of my career. Like I was a producer for years and, you know, now I like to think of my job as helping artists get paid. Um, AudioMac is, to my knowledge, like the only free platform uh, that offers what we do. Um, you know, you don't need to go through a uh, distribution company to put your music on AudioMac. You can just upload it right on our creator app. Uh, we're free for, for artists. We don't have like a premium tier for artists. We do for listeners, but not for artists. So, you know, if you have, as long as you own the rights to them, obviously, um, whether you have one song or a thousand, you can upload all of them for free. You can advance stats, private links, all those types of things. So, yeah, we try to be really artist-friendly. And uh, that's really been our lane since I joined in about 2013. And so, yeah, I think just the, the simple way to put it is my job is just to do everything I can to make sure that mm. revenue is as high as it can be so that our you know artists and rights holders get the most they can. Yeah, that's really cool. But that sounds just even the, as little as I know about it, that sounds like a really, really difficult job because it sounds like like there's a lot of factors that play into that. And obviously there's a, probably a lot of opposing factors 
that are in play at all times. Um, and then on top yeah. of that, you have this ever-changing landscape. Um, you know, is what's happening right now with AI, is that something that um, you're already kind of preparing for or uh, making adjustments to regarding um, your role at AudioMac? Or um, is that not something that you're dealing with right now? Um, I think yes and no. I mean, I think where I see a lot of disruption coming from music from the AI front is on the amount of music that's being produced. I mean, I think this is something that I definitely tweet about. You know, in the year 2000, there were about 1.5 million songs that came to market that entire year. And there are now, as of a few months ago, before a lot of these AI tools even cropped up, you were seeing over 100,000 songs to Spotify every day. So hmm. every 15 days, probably now more like every 13 or 12 days, you have an equivalent volume of music coming out and hitting. Uh, obviously, streaming didn't exist in the year 2000, but you know, th there's more music coming out every two weeks than in an entire year a couple decades ago. And I think you're going to see that multiply several times over in just the next year or two. I mean, you see AI tools like Boomi, they've cranked out 14 million songs, according to their website, in about a year, I believe. So mm. I think we're going to get to a point in not very long where unless there are changes on streaming apps, that 100,000 songs per day number is going to go up to maybe 500,000, a million. I know that sounds crazy, but at some point you're just going to have so many people making music that yeah. there's just going to be an incredible amount of music coming in. So I think as a company, we're definitely trying to think about that and it's not, it's not easy, right? Because there's, there's considerations on, on whatever like viewpoint you're looking at that from, right? I mean, if you're a artist who was an artist before this kind of AI generation, um, I think there's a lot of legitimate reasons to be, a bit frustrated about some of those things I just described and yeah. have some anxiety about that. Like, wait a minute. Like I, I can tell you, I mean, I, I literally put in my 10,000 hours. I think you have too. And like, mm -hmm. I'm not producing these days anymore, but like, if I were, I'd probably feel some type of way about that. You know, I'd be like, yeah. wait a minute. I, I sacrificed so much time and things in my life to get really good at this. And now like anyone can just do this with like a phone and an app. Like yeah. what? Like that doesn't feel fair. But yeah. what's interesting is I saw the same exact thing happen when I started producing because when I was growing up, nobody that I knew and I'd never even heard of someone like, for example, going home after school and like making beats like that just was not a thing yeah. for in the way that it is now. And now you know, I was more of like media and house producer. And, you know, in the last decade, you saw these kids like Madion come up. They were like, I think he blew up when he was like 15 years old. Like he like he definitely mm. wasn't even old enough to get into the clubs he was playing. Yeah. And um, so there's just been this huge sea change with apps like Ableton and Logic and Fruity Loops coming out that just allow you to make music on your laptop. And I remember when I started using those, I heard the same thing that people are saying about AI from the prior generation who had never used the DAW and were like, oh, that's cheating. Like you can just like comp mm. stuff, you can do all this. Like I, I do it the old school way on tape. And so I don't know. There are some similarities there. I'm not saying they're equivalent. I do think AI definitely yeah. like it's kind of an exponential extension yeah. of what Ableton was, right? It's like it goes like and and like we were just discussing, you still needed with Ableton to put in your 10,000 hours. Like you still needed to work so hard to get good at it. I mm -hmm. do think there's an obvious distinction there at least for me between just clicking a button and generating a song and putting in all that work, but um, to some extent there is a similarity there, right? Where it's like, right. this is going to open up making music to many more people. You're seeing TikTok really actively work on this right now. 
And so I think there's just going to be this enormous kind of flood of content coming out to streaming platforms and not just in music. I think you're going to see it on YouTube and Twitch Mm. and kind of everywhere. So yeah, we're definitely trying to think about how we handle that content. Do we, you know, for, for one thing for a streaming platform, whether it's audio Mac, whether it's Spotify, um, you know, in the past we've always looked at the storage required to store a song is pretty minimal, right? Like even a wave file, mm. call it like 40 megabytes. Like that's not a big deal. Storage has gotten very cheap. Mm. But if you like 20 X the amount <laughs> that you're storing every month, because everyone's uploading like a million songs a day, that can start to change. And yeah. bear in mind that audio Mac does a lot less of this, but when you're talking about a platform like Spotify, you know, one of the reasons that a lot of people use Spotify is that their uh, recommender system is so good. That's powered by machine learning itself, which means right. for a song to be recommended, it has to be run through their their system so it can kind of learn the song's characteristics. There's a cost to that. There's a compute cost to that. So it's just a lot of the mm. things that kind of made streaming work for the past decade are going to start breaking down. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see how different platforms approach that. That's really interesting. Yeah. 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 I never thought about that. I never thought about that angle. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people did. I mean, I think even <laughs> people at Spotify, I think, I think everyone's been, we all kind of, I think everyone in music tech kind of knew that AI was coming in some form or another. I, I definitely, I started talking about this on Twitter a couple of years ago and it's been funny to see the change because I still recall that the first time I brought this up on Twitter, like some people yelled at me and were like, nobody's ever going to want to listen to AI music. And it's like, mm. look at this Drake song, man. Like if lots yeah. of people do, you know, and maybe yeah. it was just a novelty. I don't know. But, um, you see that, that was less than two years ago when I started talking about that stuff and you see how much stuff has changed. But I think for me, when I saw the visual tools that were dropping last year, like Mid Journey and Dolly, I was like, yeah. all right, how long is it until this comes from music? Because ultimately, it's, crazy, it's a very yeah. similar problem, right? 100%. Um, you're training, yeah, you're training a model and some creative output that a lot of people have made. And there's a lot of issues around that that I'm pretty vocal about that we can get into. But yeah, it's, it's just moving very quick. And so I think most streaming platforms are just caught a bit off guard right now. Um, yeah. I think that that Drake song, the the Drake AI song, uh, the Ghostwriter one, that kind of went pretty viral. It just definitely, yeah. I, I think the best way to put it is it caught a lot of people off guard. A lot of people in the industry, on the label side, and I think on the tech side, definitely thought of AI as something that was coming. I just, I'm just not sure they realized it was coming in like April 2023. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I think it, it was sense. like, oh, we'll deal yeah. with this in a couple of years, and then it's yeah. like, no, this is here right now. That makes total, total sense. Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone, I mean, I don't want to say anyone, but like no one that I was, you know, it's something that I was always interested in, but never, you know, I thought it would take some time um, for this, at least yeah. even the technology we're seeing now. I thought it would take some time for that to show up, but um, we're seeing it. And not only are we seeing it, we're seeing the improvements made on it get really, really crazy, crazy fast. Yeah. Um, and I, I totally agree with what you're saying after seeing mid journey and Dali, and I don't know, I'm sure you've seen gen two, um, mm-hmm. gen two. Yeah. Runway so, is incredible. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's like, if I would argue to me, it seems like the stuff that mid journey is doing is harder. I, again, I don't know enough about the, the actual, what goes behind, you know, audio ML and, um, and image generation from text, but it seems like that that should be harder what they're doing arguably so the music stuff i'm yeah. sure you know i know i've seen some stuff with google and they're working on some things um but it seems like it's 
probably already here, if not, you know, right around the corner, as you're saying. So, um, right. Yeah. I mean, it is interesting the times that we're heading into. And I agree with what you're saying regarding AI being a tool and a new technology. And people have kind of the same sentiment as, you know, we can look at history and see people having similar things, um, similar viewpoints on other technologies. But I agree that AI is more of an exponential change and it's it's definitely a more of a drastic change and it has far greater implications than just like a singular DAW. Um, oh, for sure. You know, for so, sure. so there's a lot there. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think to your point about mid-journey, I mean, if, if people are listening to this and they haven't done this or haven't seen this, the the craziest, maybe I'll, I'll put this up on Twitter today, but the craziest thing to me in consumer-facing AI is mid-journey. Um, and specifically, I believe version one of Midjourney came out last July, maybe last June, but I'm pretty sure it was last July. So we're like nine months out from that, let's call it. And the if you there's there's been people posting threads recently since Midjourney Five came out. Midjourney Five is just insane. It's basically photorealistic. Like depending on the styling, sometimes you can tell that it's not an actual photo. But if you put in the right prompt and you want something oh, photorealistic, sure. like I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> With 5.1, yeah. you can get basically there. Yeah. And there's been people doing these tweet threads about here's the same prompt in mid journey version one, nine months ago, here it is today. And like oh, wow. the version from nine months ago is like basically a stick figure by comparison, right? Yeah. It's like, basically, if you're like, I want a car, like it's basically the outline of a car and some colors. And you're like, okay, that's cool. I can describe an image. And mm -hmm. here we are nine months later, and it's like, no, now you can literally make a photo of a Ferrari that looks like a photo of a Ferrari. Yeah. And you can then, you mentioned Gen 2 with, with Runway, but even with Gen 1 with Runway, mm -hmm. um, you can then, I've seen, I'm sure you've seen this on Twitter as well, but there's people who will generate a lot of frames, like individual frames to make a movie okay. out of with something like Midjourney. And then mm -hmm. Runway has a tool that allows you to take a bunch of those images and make them into a video. So make it basically animated oh. and interpolate the changes. I didn't so know that. So there's, okay. yeah, there, there's crazy stuff I've seen on Twitter where people are making like mini music videos and it's all generated. It's all mm. like it's individual images that they then put into Runway. And so to your point, yeah, I, I, I think they're both hard problems to solve. But yeah, I, I don't think that graphics or I, I don't think that music is harder to solve than graphics so yeah. yeah i would fully expect that this stuff is very close and is you know i i know some people working on stuff in the space and um i think by the end of this year you're going to see some really pretty crazy tools out there and yeah i think both for music creators like i think there's a lot to discuss there i think for the industry there's a lot to discuss but it's it's going to be really disruptive and i i definitely don't know exactly how i think it's like always a fool's errand trying to predict the future, especially with something that's moving this quickly. But I think there are some trends that are pretty obvious that are start, that we're starting to see. And um, I, I definitely hope that the industry as a whole starts having kind of a real conversation around artist rights, royalties, uh, name and likeness, and using someone's, you know, kind of personal brand. Uh, we need to be having those. I mean, we really should have been having those conversations like two years ago, but yeah. we need to have them now. Like now is the next best time. For sure. Yeah, I mean, and I've seen you be quite vocal about that on Twitter as well, as well, um, regarding, um, you know, just property, like artist property and, and what's, yeah. you know, what's right and what's wrong and, and 
the directions we should be going with that. I, I totally agree. And I think it does get very weird, but I mean, I, I agree that we need to be having those conversations. Um, yeah. Uh, and regarding the disruption too, like, it's just, I, I know a lot of people that make really good predictions, I guess, about certain technologies in the future. But one thing with this, um, and I see more and more of this is there's no, What's becoming more of a common thing that I hear is that it's really hard to predict what happens once this type of technology takes over. Other technologies are yeah. we've been able to predict more or less what could happen, but this is more of a we don't really necessarily know because there's going to be so many industries disrupted by it all at once. Yeah, and it's improving so fast. Like, is there a, is there a plateau that we're going to see, or is it going to keep going this way? Um, yeah, I mean, so, you know, regarding your um, your time uh, as as head of revenue at AudioMac, uh, what's what types of I, I always get curious about the internals of the company and, you know, just like uh, work environment, that sort of thing, the people that you're working with on a daily basis um, for your job yeah. specifically, are you seeing a lot of the same people um, often or are, is that changing a lot? Are you in constant just meeting new people? Uh, and on the move? Yeah, it's a mix. I mean, uh, you know, we have our internal team, which stays pretty constant. Um, and then, you know, being in kind of a revenue sales biz dev role, I certainly, you know, I have to go to, whether it's like media conventions or just going to meet someone here in LA or New York for a, you know, face-to-face meeting. So it's, it's a nice mix of both uh, for me personally. I think it depends on the role. I think if you're, for example, a developer, you're kind of more focused typically on that like internal team. You're not necessarily interfacing quite as much with people outside of the company. If you are in a marketing or sales role, it's kind of flipped. Usually you're dealing with a lot of people outside the company and obviously some um, in, but it's an incredibly fun work environment. Um, I'm not sure I'm ever going to work at another company like Audiomax. So it's it's been an awesome, awesome uh, time that I've had there. And I get to, I'm very fortunate that I, that I get to work with very smart, um, and just really good people. I've definitely worked in environments in the past where it felt like not everyone was on the same team. I think a lot of offices are like that. Mm. Like everyone kind of has their like personal agendas and stuff like that. And, um, I've never seen a company that is more in the opposite direction of that than Audiomack. You know, there, there is mm. really a sense of us being on the same team and, I just find there's so much less of that kind of politics that I've experienced in the past elsewhere. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's really nice that you're able to do that. Um, you said that your position at AudioMac was sort of a natural progression to your career. Is there mm-hmm. another natural progression you see happening at some point in the future? Or do you kind of, are you letting things ride and you're liking where things are at right now? Yeah, I, I love where I'm at right now. I think when I think long term, I'm not sure what the time horizon is. Um, I definitely think about doing things outside of music. So, I mean, I am starting an app as like a nights and weekends thing right now. Uh, it's an e-com app for uh, cannabis here in LA. So like pretty different <laughs> right. than the music biz. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely interested in other things outside of music. Um, but at the same time, again, I've been doing something in music for over 20 years now and it's definitely what i know best so yeah i kind of wrestle with that a lot you know um i think about maybe doing something different in the future but again i kind of i feel like i know the music space very well so it's definitely something i'm kind of thinking about uh i do think like i enjoy working on the tech side more personally um i had a blast 
making a living as a producer for several years, but it's not something that I would personally want to go back to largely just cause like, you know, I'm like closing on 40 and like I was an EDM mm. producer and DJ and I don't know, man, the guys like Steve Ioki <laughs> who are like 45 and still at the club every night, I do not know how they do it, but I'm not, I'm not built for it. Yeah. Um, I go to the club once and I'm, I'm over for four days now. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I just think like I very much had, I, I really enjoy that part of my life, but it's kind of like a, a chapter in the past now. Um, I would sure. like to get back into making some stuff in my free time, but yeah, I'm not sure I see myself going back to like the creative side of it, but I feel very fortunate for having had that experience because again, when I think about things like AI, um, I think it does give me some kind of maybe a different perspective than some other people in the field may have just because I, I know how tough it is as an artist. I think it's only getting harder. Obviously right. you see people who have breakout, you know, moments, but you know, one of the things that I think has really happened and it's both good and bad. I think everything with tech can be good and bad. Um, so, you know, everyone getting Ableton in many ways was amazing, right? Because it just Mm -hmm. meant that like you went from like a pretty small circle of people who had access to expensive studios, making professional music to probably about 20 million people right now making music on DAWs. So in so many ways, that's awesome. And the flip side of it is, is like now there's, you know, 10, 20 million people making music. And it's like, when you put your song on Spotify or audio Mac or whatever, you know, there's a hundred thousand hundred thousand other releases that day it can be harder to stand out it can be harder to kind of raise your hand in that kind of sea of content that's coming out every day so yes there's there's these like trade-offs right so and i i do see i think you'll see some of those with ai generation as well like it's definitely going to democratize music making but i think there's very legit questions to ask about like how much and does it make it hard or impossible for you know let's call them legacy artists like people who you know have, have really learned their craft and um, are not just using an app to do something, you know, or are they kind of drowned out in that, mm-hmm. you know, in, in that noise? Um, I certainly hope they won't be, but it's definitely, you know, that's one of the reasons I try to use my Twitter to advocate for, you know, artist rights, for royalties, for control over name and likeness. Like that last one is especially important to me. And I think we've seen some pretty crazy stuff happening in the past month or so with the AI stuff in that regard. So yeah, it's, it's going to be, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I'm still very undecided on whether it's going to be like a net positive or negative <laughs> for the music biz. It's hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very, it's, it's so early to your point. And like you also said, it's evolving so rapidly that I can sit here, you know, it's funny. I have a newsletter on music and I started drafting up a piece on AI last September. And part of it is I've just been so busy with audio Mac and some side projects that it's, it's just been hard for me to find time to write. <laughs> the other reason I haven't put it out yet is just like, it usually takes me about a month to work on a, a written piece like that. Cause I try to do pretty long form stuff and right. a month in AI right now is like, it's like 20 <laughs> years of past progress. You know what I mean? So it's, it's like, unbelievable, you, I, yeah. I could start something on, on May 1st. And then by the time it's ready on May 30th, I feel like 70% of what I've written is like, Oh yeah, no, now you can do this with that tool you mentioned. And it's, it's very, very hard to keep up with the rate of change, which only seems to be accelerating, which is kind of hard to wrap your head around as well. Yeah. At this point, I'm almost like, I'm almost, I'm so used to that rapid change. I'm almost surprised when certain companies aren't putting out certain projects quicker or something. Like I'm almost, I'm getting used to it now. It's so weird. And I'm, you know, and I even, most things, if I'm, for example, any, anything that I could get excited for, let's say a movie or something, you know, you, you wait some time or whatever, but with AI, like certain technology or certain 
services I'll get excited for and then next week it'll be publicly available and I wouldn't have even realized it because I'm expecting it to come out like a month at least even probably more um and also yeah. just the, the what the technologies are they're just so crazy uh like gen 2 for example I know gen 2 is not publicly available yet but I mean I didn't think it would be like even in the hands of creators the way it is now and it's crazy what people are doing with it um and also yeah. like one thing i i think i i've talked to a lot of people that do cai like they view it very optimistically and they see it as oh it's it's a tool and it's just like other technologies that sort of thing um mm -hmm. and i appreciate that that a lot and i agree with the tool side but for me i think the way that i see it is that tool timeline where it's going to be super super useful it's going to be sh quite short-lived compared to what actually comes after that. Um, which again, I don't really know what happens after that, but the, and I agree, like I have tools right now that I'm using that are AI, like mid journey. I've, um, there was a sample I was working on. I was, I wanted to craft, like I had an image of my head of what that sample visually entailed. And then I put it in mid journey and it came up with, and I think I used five, I five or 5.1. I can't remember, but it was incredible. Mm -hmm. So it's really useful for that for sure. But you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's also a bit scary, right? Oh, a hundred percent. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of my favorite things to think about in music right now, uh, just as kind of like a, a thought exercise is like a company like splice, right? I mean, this was a company that a couple of years ago, I was just like, man, I can't see anyone catching up to them. Like they just, you know, loop masters had tried and uh, native instruments had tried and they just had such a lock. And I think, I think they still do on kind of yeah. the, premium sounds made by elite producers, but man, there are people working on stuff right now, which is going to let you do exactly what you do in mid journey, but with samples, right? Like, Hey, I want to yeah. generate 10 kick drums in the, in, you know, um, in C sharp that, you know, sound kind of like this Calvin Harris song or whatever your reference is. And it's just going to pop those out. And I really wonder what happens once that's good, because you think about a tool like a splice, are you still going to want to sort through, however many millions of samples they have kind of search and dig for stuff, or are you just going to want to talk to a chat bot that just generates what you want? Um, and different people are going to have different feelings on that for sure. But mm -hmm. I just think, I guess, I guess the bigger point is just, there's so many businesses, whether it's streaming, whether it's tools for creators just across the board that I think are going to be really kind of disrupted and they're going to have to really innovate quickly. And in fairness to Splice, my understanding is they have a whole AI theme and like they're certainly not like oblivious to this stuff coming. So they're probably mm -hmm. going to roll out some cool stuff for finding samples and maybe even doing what I just described. So, yeah. um, but I do think it'll be very interesting to kind of watch how different companies either kind of change with the times or don't and how people react to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I'm seeing like, I love, I do love seeing all the, all the case. Like I thought initially when I saw how fast things were moving, I thought it was just, I was questioning whether it was just my Twitter feed that was, you know, curating the way that it was curated. It would seem that way to me. Um, but I found myself thinking about it all the time, like just repeatedly, like how, you know, all the things that, that could happen. And then I go on my phone and I see whatever I'm thinking about happening already. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it's it's really interesting to think of of where that could go for sure, and and even you're right, like a company like Splice, um, and what that means for them and how they could they could benefit from it. Um, 
I do think like I you I mean so bittersweet in in some ways like I I'm excited for certain creators. I know a lot of creators do complain about um you know they don't have the money to afford uh certain you know types of services whether it is cover art or um you know mix and mastering or you know we could i mean the list goes on but the way that plugins you, even yeah i mean some plugins that you know are super expensive like omnisphere is like 500 dollars or 449 oh, exactly. something like that a lot of people exactly. can't afford that yeah for sure yeah 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 so it's crazy what that is already doing like even for myself um you know creating images through Midjourney, doing it myself and trying it that way has actually been way it's been really interesting um so we'll see what that what that does. I mean, like I even use I do use AI to learn a lot. I love to learn new things, so it's been great. But again, mm-hmm. same token, it's just kind of like okay, where does that go and where does that put me? Um, and yeah, I mean, so I, I'm curious. You you said you're um you're working on uh s- something else uh in the tech side of things as well. Um, yeah. Is what like what does that entail for your role? Are you are you actually coding or um, involved in the coding? side of it well that's a very good segue because yes thanks to gpt4 i am so (laughs) um, i can talk about that in a sec one thing i was just going to add on your last point i think like you know as i mentioned since maybe september i've been like thinking about this from like a writer's perspective and my kind of like i guess my core thesis on ai and how it's going to roll out at this point we'll see if this is right is exactly what you just described it is i think that everyone in whatever field they work in, right? Whether you do taxes for a living, whether you're a music producer, whether you're a writer, a director, like anything, lawyer, I think you're going to have a lot of very justified fear of like what this is going to mean for your job. And then I think you're gonna love AI for a lot of other fields that you don't that you don't work in, right? Kind of what you just right. described, right? It's like, okay, this is really scary in music, but wait, now I can use it to make cover art. <laughs> now I can use it to That's help me mix and master whatever. Yeah. And I think that it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out because mm. that's what I've seen happening in my own life. That's what I've seen happening with friends. And yeah, I don't know what the kind of end result of that is, but I, I think that that's maybe a nuance that I, I don't see people talking about as often with AI is like, I think we all have this fear of it in our own fields, but then at the same time, we naturally and understandably think like, well, wait, but now I can just go do this thing and it's easier for me. And so I, I, I wonder where that all nets out. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I mean, as far as developing the app, so I, I had some coding experience. I will say like, even with GPT four, I'm a bit skeptical of some of the stuff I see on Twitter, just based off a lot of experience I've had playing around with it. I I don't believe that if you've like, never coded before that you can build like a really performant great ios app or something like that yeah Yeah, you can definitely don't get me wrong you can like have it show you how to open up you know xcode is like you know basically think of it as like the daw for ios apps right that's where you make your your code um yeah you can definitely generate some super basic app and i'm also not i'm not trying to play that down as something really impressive it's pretty insane that you can just like talk to a chatbot and like learn how to like at least Mm -hmm. create an ios app or a website or a landing page but um, I guess what I'm getting at is, yeah, for me, I had a couple of years of coding experience, but it was light. I mean, I'm definitely not like an expert developer by any means, was just starting to learn Swift and Swift UI, which are the languages that you use for most um, Mac OS and iOS stuff. And GPT-4 was just like rocket fuel for me. Um, right. It just made it because, again, from my work at AudioMac, where I work very closely with our engineers, 
um, again, I'm not coding at Audimac, but I've had so when you look when you work at a tech company and you're making you know tickets in GitHub and you have to explain to engineers what you're trying to build, it teaches you how to think about mm, like specking out a product and all these things. And so I'm very fortunate to have that skill set now because that's a really good skill set to have for working with GPT because like basically instead of talking to an engineer, I'm talking to the chatbot and I know how to kind of structure what it needs to understand about a project. And um, so because of that and because I had a couple of years of coding experience, so like I very much knew what was possible. I just didn't maybe know all the syntax for how to get there. True. Um, yeah, I've actually done a lot of the front end on the app I'm working on. And there are actually things even at Audiomac that are not consumer facing that are more like uh, BI tools, biz Intel tools for revenue that I'm building myself and with some of our devs now. So cool. yeah. yeah, I mean, that's where, but again, it's like, you know, it's interesting to kind of consider that it's like, it's very cool for me to be able to kind of accelerate my coding capabilities. Um, but it's kind of the same discussion we just had about music, right? It's like, does that mm -hmm. impact some engineer's ability to make a living or maybe other people get some higher? I think about that a lot. It's not something yeah. that I have a great answer for, you know? So mm. I think that's, yeah, that's, that's just something I'm, I'm spending a lot of time thinking about right now is like, where does that settle out? And again, I, I do think that that, at least to me, is one of the reasons why things like revenue sharing, attribution, creator rights are so important to these tools, because I think that to not give someone an opt out of being part of, you know, the data set, hmm. to not give someone an opt out from literally using their name and like photo and being like, hey, this is a Drake song. I know, I know there's people who see this differently. I, you know, it's just my opinion. I'm not saying it's right, but to me, yeah. I have a lot of problems with that. Like I, I, yeah. as I always try to just think of it as like, what would I want someone to do for my stuff? Right. Kind of like, like golden rule idea. Like how would I want sure. them to treat my work? And like, I don't know, man, I'd be pretty frustrated if like yeah. someone just trained an AI bot on Dave <laughs> and like just replaced my job overnight. I'd be, anyone would be upset over that. Yeah. And I think one thing that's really interesting is if you look at the terms of service of, for example, chat GPT and, open AI and, you know, Google Bard, any of the tools that are out there, they don't, they have the same feeling about their work. Um, mm -hmm. In other words, like you cannot, it's very explicit in their terms of service that you cannot, for example, take the open AI API or chat GPT and like train your product off of its responses and then just like wrap that in a new product. And it's really interesting to me that they did that. I understand why, because again, I don't think anyone wants their, their hard work taken without compensation, mm. permission, whatever you want to call it, all of the above. But mm. it is a bit ironic, right? I mean, when you think about yeah. how these models have been built, yeah. at least to date, it's literally about just like scraping everything on the web. And those yeah. people didn't have input. They right now don't have an opt-out of most models. There are some that are giving creators an opt-out, which I think is very important. But yeah, I guess my, my kind of, the, the TLDR is just, I think that um, if you are a company that is building your product based off of other people's work, you have to extend to them the same rights you want for your own work, right? If you're saying, sure. hey, you can't train a model off GPT-4, I get that. That's mm -hmm. your business. You want to protect your IP, but, you know, so do all the musicians who make music, or most of them, and so do all the people who write code who, you know, have their GitHub scrapes. So it's, it's just the mm -hmm. same thing to me. So that is something that I hope we see going forward. That's, and to their yeah. credit, I saw Sam Altman, the, the head of OpenAI yesterday, basically say that that's coming, so devils in the details, but okay. I'm definitely excited. I'm, I'm excited to see that things like revenue sharing and attribution are coming. I think that's going to be yeah. definitely a step in the right direction, but it's, it's absolutely not going to like solve all the potential problems here. Yeah. Well, I, I, 
that's really interesting. I follow Sam a little bit, not as much anymore because I I think part of when I started getting a little bit more skeptical, I was a little bit less um I guess paying attention to to his content or or whatever he was putting out or the things that he mm-hmm. was saying, but um that is, I do I do appreciate that he is at least making an effort to address a lot of the concerns that people have with a lot of this technology. Um, you know, obviously he's very optimistic about it. Um, right. but it is interesting to see. And I think it is, it is, I, I th- also, it was kind of cool to see that I, I think Biden had a meeting, um, with, with some CEOs regarding AI, which was nice to see. Um, yeah. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully there is something being done on that front, but, uh, yeah. And I think it is, it is worthwhile to call out that there are really interesting things being built for, software engineers, right? I mean, I use, for example, GitHub Copilot when I code and it's incredible. I mean, it, it, right. it helps you code faster. It helps take away some of the kind of the drudgery of coding. Um, I, you know, I did a piece, I did a two-part piece with a couple of co-writers for Water and Music. I think it might've been, I'm not sure if it was last year or the year before, uh, time is flying, especially in this space. I, I think it was last year on, um, AI tools for creators, like, so for professional musicians and some of the stuff that people are working on is incredible that there's tools that will mm-hmm. let you basically sample the vibe of a record. So, um, what I mean by that is rather than sampling like actual notes and the actual sounds, uh, you'll be able to say, you know, here's my track in Ableton, um, but it sounds really digital. I want you to kind of make it sound like a track recorded on this console in the seventies. And like, here's oh, a couple of reference cool. records and it'll, again, it's, it's not copying. It's, it's not sampling in the way that we traditionally think right. of it, where you're actually sampling like notes from the record. Um, it's more kind of learning the qualities mm. of what you describe and kind of putting some of those on your records. There's going to be crazy things you can do with sampling there's going to be crazy things you can do for all kinds of creative tasks. So I think those are interesting, but again, with every one of them, there's, there's like a potential downside. It's like, Hey, yeah. are those vibe samples cleared are if you have a, um, like one of the plugins I think about all the time, I used to use this plugin all the time for doing like pop, like demo tracks was uh, native instrument session guitarist. I just use mm-hmm. that all the time to just kind of like, if I just needed a quick guitar, you know, backing track. And when you think about what that, DST is it's just a contact sample library with some scripting. I mean, they did a pretty incredible job of making it very playable, but mm. I mean, you can see how that's going to be replaced by AI. That's like a hundred times more capable. Like I am pretty convinced sure. that I don't know what the time horizon is, but let's just call it five years. Maybe that's pretty conservative mm. with the rate things are moving. But mm. I think in whatever, whatever number of years, like you're going to be able to have just the world's literal best session guitarist sitting in your doll with you. And you can just describe anything and have them play anything. And it's going to sound mm. literally like the best person in the world is playing it. And again, it's like, there's pluses and minuses to that. Like that's incredible. Mm. If you're a producer who's not good at guitar and you're great at keys and you just want to change up your style a bit or put new elements in your tracks. But what about the session guitarist, the real person that you would have hired before? <laughs> yeah. You know I mean? It's just like, there's, yeah, exactly. there's all these, trade-offs and yeah it's it's going to be i think interesting but also concerning to see where a lot of this stuff ends up for sure yeah well you answered a ton of my questions um do you have anything that you wanted to discuss or talk about before we wrap up um no i think we covered most of it i mean i guess yeah the last thing i would say is just on the on the topic of artist rights i think it's really really important that people try to educate themselves on what's going on really try to push and push vocally if they're comfortable doing so for things like opt-outs um Hmm. 
you know, for me personally, I think one of the reasons I've tried to be vocal about this is, you know, I kind of started in the industry when piracy became a thing, right? Like I was, I was in high school from 1999 to 2003. I know I sound like a dinosaur saying that, but <laughs> that was literally when like Napster and LimeWire like became a thing, right? And so I saw firsthand what happened from like the, the pre-piracy era to post. And it was just like shocking. Like it's, it's yeah. honestly hard to explain to people how bleak it was because it sounds ludicrous with how well the, the labels are doing now. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, in like 2005, it was completely unclear if record labels were going to be a thing in a couple of years. Like mm. literally people thought that, that Universal and Sony were just going to be out of business. And I know that a lot of people have feelings about majors. I understand a lot of those feelings. I, you know, release music on majors and like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not here to like, um, yeah, I, I understand why people have those issues, but it's, to me, it's not even about like major labels. It, it's just about everyone, right? It's about like any kind right. of right holder that could be an artist, that could be an indie label, it could be a major. Um, I just don't want to see us going back to a place where we're basically back in a piracy era where like, you know, people who work incredibly hard on music just have their work, just taken and yeah um you know we are seeing that right now so that's where i get vocal that's where i get concerned and it's it's like i i definitely have some serious concerns in that area so um yeah i just that's definitely something that i think if you are any kind of creator just try to educate yourself on what's going on and try to lobby as much as you can whether it's to the people building these tools whether it's to people you see building like ai music sites um again i'm, I'm not like i'm not against people experimenting but just give people an opt out, you know, give people control over their name and likeness. Like I, in my opinion, I just don't think you should be able to make a song that says like, Hey, this is AI or this is so-and-so and like put it on yeah. Spotify and get paid for it. That, that seems a little sideways to me. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you very much, man. I really appreciate your time. Seriously. I know you're probably a very busy guy. Um, yeah. Thank you for chatting uh, with this, uh, with me about this. This is something that I really wanted to do and I needed the right person to and it, you, you popped up on my timeline and it was like the perfect uh you know you were saying the perfect things that i was curious about so thank you again for sharing all this with us uh where can people find you online and is there if there's anything you want to promote you're more than welcome to yeah no thank you so much for having me um and as far as finding me online i am it's dave edwards on twitter uh we'll see if i can grab just at dave edwards at some point as people leave twitter but i haven't been able to yet um <laughs> That's probably the best place to keep up with me. I do my writing at daveedwards.co. Uh, but I, again, it's been a while since I've had time to update that. So those are really the two like main channels, I'd say. Okay, great. Well, thank you again for your time, man. Of course. Thank you so much for having me.